I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for TGIF, November 11th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance and tech, all in less than seven minutes. So Jay, it's Remembrance Day, and we reflect on the bravery and sacrifice of those who have served our country. Well, my country, Jay, I guess you come from a different country. But if you're donning a poppy as a show of support, you really should make sure it's not a fake one. The Royal Canadian Legion found over 1,600 trademark violations this year alone. Jay, I see you're wearing a poppy. Is it legit? I hope so. I'd hate to offend anybody. I hate to wear a fake poppy. I think it's legit where I bought it seemed legit and the pin is legit. You? Mine are always legit. But there was a time when they were selling, I would see like bootleg pin ones that were like metal and not the normal poppy design. So those I think were not good and the money was not going to the correct place. The other thing I find interesting is the different styles of poppy. So I don't know if you knew this, Jay, but in England, in the UK, they also wear a poppy but they have a different style poppy than ours. And it's just, I don't know why they've never consolidated, but they like having different styles. So I find that kind of interesting too. Is it a copy poppy? I think we probably copied them if I'm being honest. Although Flanders Fields, the poem that the poppy is based off of was a Canadian poem, so who knows? We shall find out and tell the Peak Pals. Brett, aside from copy poppies, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For our first story, WeWork is cost-cutting. For our second story, text-to-AI is going mainstream. And for our last story, NASA is launching a new satellite. For our first story, cost-cutting is the name of the corporate game these days, and WeWork is no exception. Brett, you used to work in a WeWork. How do you feel about this? You know, I was a big fan of WeWork when I was there. I like the free-flowing coffee, the cool offices, the good vibe, but I haven't been there in a while, and so I feel really nothing about this story. But nonetheless, the co-working giant will close 40 underperforming locations, 5% of its total desk space across the U.S., in an effort to cut costs and achieve profitability. The company is still recovering from a near collapse and subsequent bailout in 2019 after ex-CEO Adam Nauman's hyper-growth strategy nearly drove it into the ground. I can tell you haven't watched the series, Jay. It's Newman. It's Newman. But WeWork's revenue for last quarter shot up 24% to $817 million thanks to the growth in hybrid work arrangements and demand for short-term workspace rentals. But it's still announced a net loss of $629 million as occupancy rates plateaued and large companies' share of memberships fell to 47% from 49% a year ago. Now, WeWork does not own its buildings, but leases office space to people, small businesses and larger companies. As a recession leaves businesses rolling back spending, it may lead to more work from home, WFH, setups. And that's what a third bridge analyst told the Wall Street Journal. And here's why it matters, Brett. For WeWork to survive in the downturn, it'll need to carve out a clear path to profitability. But for a business that relies on the discretionary spending of other businesses and carries massive costs tied to leases and fancy offices, that may prove to be challenging. For a second story, just a few months ago, text-to-image AI seemed like a super futuristic tech reserved solely for hardcore researchers and, I hate to say it, but nerds. Now it's available for free on one of the most popular design apps. We've come a long way. I've used this technology a bit, and it's pretty cool. Jay, do you want to tell the Peak Pals what it's all about? Sure. Canva, which is maybe my favorite thing I use on a daily basis, has rolled out an AI-powered text-to-image generation tool able to generate four images at a time in various art styles based on user prompts. My favorite and least favorite thing I use on a daily basis, Jay, it's controversial, Twitter. Interestingly enough. Anyways, Canva's feature runs on the open source image generator Stable Diffusion, the creator of which, Stability AI, just raised $101 million at a billion-dollar valuation. Pretty sweet valuation. And it matters because with over 100 million users, Canva is likely bringing AI image generation to its biggest audience ever. With access to this technology spreading so rapidly, 
It could soon become as ubiquitous as the text box feature or word art. Wait, wait. Do people still use word art, Brent? I don't, and I'm not sure many people do, but there are still fears about the tech being used to infringe on artists' work to create unlicensed products and its capacity for making content featuring violence or hate speech. And here's the bottom line. From algorithms to deep fakes and now generated art, AI is slowly but surely creeping into our daily tech lives. And for our third and final story this week, in the wee hours of Thursday morning, NASA launched JPSS-2, its newest satellite, which joins a global observation system analyzing the Earth's weather patterns. Yeah, it's a pretty interesting story, Jay. So here's what's happening. The satellite is part of NASA's partnership with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, the NOAA. We all know and love the NOAA. NOAA. With NOAA, yes. yeah, exactly. Which will <laughs> use it to predict and track meteorological events. These global analyses are used to make super accurate local predictions, like determining how a typhoon in Japan might result in heavy rainfall in California. That's cool. Yeah. And data from the JPSS, the two JPSS satellites already in orbit, have been used to accurately predict the precise landfall location of Hurricane Ian on the Florida coast this year. In addition to putting local weathermen to shame, the satellite will also play a role in gauging the ongoing effects of climate change through its high-tech data collection abilities. Now, drought patterns, the health of the oceans, polar ice cap meltage, air quality, and holes in the ozone layer are all things that can be gleaned from JPSS2's data. Now for why it matters. A satellite that can deliver new levels of accuracy in predicting climate catastrophe means that countries partnering with NOAA, like Canada, would get a leg up on preparing for impending disasters. I guess the bad's the best you can do, Jay. Now, extreme weather is on pace to cost Canada $139 billion by 2050. Perhaps a few billion could be spared by girding up infrastructure in advance thanks to these forecasts that we're getting from the satellites. As well, gathering as much consistent data as possible on how the globe is changing is key in developing and maintaining records on the long-term impact of climate change. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave a review? And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. As always, thanks to Dale Richardson at 306 Media Productions for producing this episode. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Dale. And have a great Friday, everyone. Brett, I got a sports thing for you at the end of the week. Okay, I'm excited. Go Argos. That's right. That's a team. <laughs> if they win this week, I believe they go to the Grey Cup. That's at least my understanding of things. But So go Argos. Sure. Good luck to the Argos. <laughs> <laughs>